0: Turn your Bible with me to Hebrews chapter 1, verse 4 4 to 14, all right? This sermon is taken from the text Hebrews chapter 1, verse 4 to 14. For those of you who do not have yours, uh, you may refer to the projector here. there. Can I read? Hebrews chapter 1, verse 4. he makes his angels wings and his ministers a flame of fire. But all the sun he says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, your God has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. And you, Lord, lay the foundation of the earth. In the beginning, and the heavens are the work of your hands, they will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment, like a robe, you will roll them up. Like a garment, they will be changed, but you are the same, and your years will have no end. And to which of the angels has ever said, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool at your feet? Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? Let's come before the Lord to pray that He may speak to us in His Word. O Lord on high, We know that you are beyond us and yet so very near to us, that you dwell among us only because of your Son Jesus Christ. For Lord, you are spirit and we are not. So, Lord, help us this morning to know you and your precious Son who has given himself to us, who is more superior, more lovable, most ultimate in every way and lord be with us speak to us with your holy spirit especially and lord may not we may not treat help us that we may not treat this like another lecture or any other um, mere uh, spoken words but lord your word, indeed especially for myself in jesus name i do pray amen So I'm not sure about you, right? When I was young, I was really young, alright, some of you here. uh, even before I believed there is a God, I would love to believe angels in this world, right? And especially when Christmas are near, Christmas is near and you you see the decorations and all that. Yeah, I sometimes when I was younger, I wish there are angels in this world. And in fact I do want to believe there are angels in this world, and I think, like, to a point, I believe angels are in this world. And these angels that I believe are supposedly white, they are supposedly bright, they are supposedly lovely, they are supposed to be very nice, and to some extent, perhaps, cute, fluffy, right? As you see uh, in TVs, books, dramas, movies. No, as far as the Western world impressed upon me back then through the media, I believe angels are all that. And more, angels are supposed to help people in their lives or to protect them from harm, evil, and even monsters. All right? So, even for the skeptics here, wouldn't you love to have, or to, wouldn't you love to believe there are angels? So, the question for all of us is this. Where did the idea of angels come from? And from what as far as I know and I can search, right, from various academic sources like the University of Michigan and Oxford University Press from Oxford University itself, the research and history or history faculty, right, have traced the idea of angels all the way back to the Jews. Now, especially the historical records they acknowledge the historical records of the bible in that case the best source to understand what angels are is to actually look in the bible now from the scripture read and the sermon this morning i will be preaching we should get to know at least an idea of the real angels and their roles revealed to men. i say again these real angels angels are real but far better we will know the being greater than the angels. And that is the goal of the unknown altar here, uh, the book of Hebrews. But what is the point of knowing that, you may ask? So, I would say from the human altar intent, right? The human author intent of this Hebrews here, for the book of Hebrews, is for believers to place their faith and belief, not just on the angels, but to place one's belief and faith on Christ Jesus. Likewise, for the skeptic here, God's divine authorship intent is for you to believe and have faith in Christ Jesus and not just angels. Why? Because Christ Jesus is far better, he's greater, he's more superior to uh, to the angels in every way in God's salvation plan. For that reason, our text, uh, big idea today is Jesus is superior to angels. Then let us have the confidence to believe in Christ's name. Now, from our text, let us consider Jesus is superior to angels in three ways. So, the first way is that His name is above the angels. The second is His nature is beyond. Right, His nature and role uh, is beyond the angels all right his nature and role is beyond the angels and the third way is that that Jesus is superior to angels is his, he rules over the angels all right and from the holy spirit uh, and god's intent here for the sermons from hebrews may we all then know Jesus at a new level so that we may redeem and, and deepen our love for him in fact elder Ari today kind of lead us into recovery of the first love of Jesus. And so that is the intent here. This is my prayer for you and I, that we go through the book of Hebrews for the several selected months of this year, and perhaps the next couple of years, I would say, that we will know Jesus at a deeper level, at a new level, all right? So, now that let us begin to know Jesus, uh, the first way that He is superior to Jesus, His name is above the angels. At the end of verse 4 points to the fact that Jesus has inherited a name that is more excellent than the angels. Now, how is that so, you may ask. You see, in those days, even now, right, the identification of the official name of a person was always attached or followed by the father's name, right? Um, For example, in the Old Testament, uh, Joshua, in the book of Joshua, when he was introduced, he was introduced and identified with his father's name. Joshua, son, the son of Nun. Alright? And of course, you can joke with that, but that is his name, alright? Don't joke his name, alright? Joshua, the son of Nun. In the New Testament, in Matthew, right, chapter 4, James was identified as James, the son of Zebedee. You know, there are two James, but one of them, you know, he's very clearly, to differentiate them, you have to introduce the full name. James, the son of Zebedee. And Jesus was introduced with his earthly name in John chapter 1. Jesus, the son of Joseph. Now, a person is identified with his first name first, and then he is father's name. It is like the the last name or family name of a person in in, in most of the uh, communities in the West, I would say, Uh, like James A. Smith, uh, Peter Wolfgang, right, that would be from Europe, most likely from Germany, or Neil Anderson. Now, the family's clan's surname uh, would be the last name, right, and it's more common here in Singapore, like the Tans, the Lims. And in Korea, you have the Kims, you have the Lees and Parks, for example, right? Ironically, though it was through the angel Gabriel that Jesus received his earthly name, Jesus' divine identity and name were first revealed to man by fallen angels, the demons, in Mark chapter 5, verse 7, and they address Jesus as Jesus, Son of the Most High God. Of course, they were trembling. Subsequently, Jesus' heavenly name was revealed to Peter in Matthew chapter 16. Jesus, the Son of God, simply. In that case, God is the Heavenly Father of Jesus, and the Heavenly Father confirms in the books of the gospel saying, you are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. And for that reason, the gospel of Mark chapter 1, verse 1, begins with introducing the full name of Jesus as Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Not any other Jesus, but this Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Now you have to get this. Jesus' last and family name is God. The significance of Jesus' name here is threefold then. Firstly, Jesus and God has a father and son relationship. Secondly, Jesus does not belong to the creation order or the order of creation like the angels. The angels were created spiritual beings like up angel Gabriel, up angel Michael. But you realize in the Bible that none of them has a last name. One wonders so here. One of the reasons, again, that angels don't have a last name is for the sake of exalting Christ's name above the angels. Moreover, verse 7 says, He makes His angels wings. And his ministers a flame of fire. And this is drawing from Psalms 104. A way of saying that though angels are spiritual beings, they are not eternal beings. Their existence are tied to creation. But Jesus is not created by God, but birthed forth from and by the Holy Spirit. And he has a last name, the Son of God. Thirdly, and most significant about Jesus' name to all of us here is in verse 6. Now, look down with me uh, to verse 6, right? Verse 6 here, it says that He, what, He is the firstborn into the world. Now, this is alluding to Psalms 89, verse 27. In other words, in other words, Jesus, the Son of God, is the firstborn of God's family into the world. And is also the firstborn to to raise from the dead. Now, Jesus is the firstborn of the spiritual family of God's children. And the Bible also tells us that Jesus' word calls his believers brothers and sisters who are God's spiritual children. In that case, believers of Jesus also have divine names as the son or daughter of God. Now, when you are born again, your heavenly name or your name in heaven is, for example, I have to make a pick, Crispus, son of God. Or Nicole, daughter of God. The question for us is, how are we leaving out our new names in this world from the threefold significance of jesus name that i've mentioned firstly jesus and god has a father-son relationship secondly jesus does not belong to the order of creation like the angels and thirdly jesus is the firstborn of god's family the unknown author of hebrews here points to the fact that jesus his name is above the angels and when He's above the angels, the angels are ought to bow down to worship Him as revealed in verse 6. And in verse 6, it's alluding to Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 43. So, the first way that Jesus is superior to the angels, to angels, is Jesus' name is above the angels. Now, let's consider the second way. He's, his nature and role are incomparable beyond angels another way of saying that is that his class all right his class or job and job are incomparable beyond angels and a class or a kind is usually distinguished by what basic or uh, inherent features characters or qualities now in verse 7 the author establishes that the sun does not belong to the created order as do the angels, and for that reason, in verses eight and nine, the altar pushes the contrast of Jesus to angels to the next level and even beyond, above right the earthly ram into the heavenly. So the altar here invites all of us to get into a SpaceX spaceship, if you will, right, and fly above the earth and then blast into the deep space. And going beyond that space and time into the heavens. And now, would you then imagine with me that we are arriving at the palace of God. And in this palace, there is this throne room. And then, we will see and experience that Jesus' nature is incomparable and beyond angels. Now, how is that then? If you are still in the room with me, right, right now, just imagine... And remember and look with me at verse 8 says, But of the Son, He says, Your throne, O God. The He is referred to is God. So the the sentence reads in verse 8, But of the Son, God says, Your throne, O God. That That is if like God is referring to His Son, as himself. In other words, here God's word reveals to us the trinity nature of God and the Son. Jesus is one and the same. And verse 9 tells us that Christ, a God and Jesus Christ being, is eternally just and good on the throne. And Jesus is contrasted with his companions, um, and who, you might ask, who, who who were these companions to Christ before his incarnation, and even after? It cannot be referring to God himself, right? Because the Trinity just don't separate themselves into companions, like separate, you know, all together. Who were these companions to Christ? And I would say that I agree with most theologians here that, and most likely, Christ's companions worthy angels from the bible we note that not all the angels are eternally good some angels have fallen with Satan and Satan himself is an angel as we know they are part of the evil forces in this world and the heavens and for that reason Jesus is beyond the angels because Jesus himself is infallible. He cannot fall like angels. It does not change. Jesus is eternally good and that he don't change. And you might ask why. You see verse 9 says that Jesus is anointed with the ever-flowing oil of gladness. And this is alluding to Isaiah chapter 63. He has always been with God, always fresh. Never doubt moment with him, and he's always happy. Now to be sure, I'm not suggesting that uh, God or Jesus is like an emoji smiley face all the time right here. He's not an emoji smiley face all the time. Always smiling at us, even when we sin. For he loves us, and will correct and discipline us like a loving parent would in real time. But even in his correction, it is always out of love and never because we are an inconvenience to God's salvation plan. And God's love for his children is unchangeable. And he never stops loving us. And verse 11 assures us that Jesus is unchangeable in his love for his creation and all of us together. Why? You see, you don't simply hate what you created, would you? For instance, after you did a painting, after you baked a cake, I know some of you love to bake cakes, completed a project, right, skyscrapers if you built, or did some renovation simply to your house, right? even if it's not perfect, you wouldn't hate it, would you? Why? Because... You have put in the time, you have put in the energy, you have put in the effort to make it. And God puts in His time, His energy, and effort to make it. God loves and creates all things in the universe, mysterious and beautiful. And for that reason, humans are created in the image of God, reflects God's character of creativity and wanting to make things. We simply love assembling things, creating, making, and designing things beautiful, functional, and amazing. We love gathering and putting things in the the ingredients to make delicious cakes and foods. And boys and girls, children, you know very well, even myself, when someone plays some Lego bricks just in front of you, right? just before you, just place it in front of you, you would pick it up, the Lego bricks, and simply want to make something out of it, wouldn't you? In fact, right now, sometimes I, you know, the the niece or, or some, you know, kids, when they have Lego bricks lying in front of them, I feel like picking them up and can't play with them. Actually, I want to play out, but I just want to play with the Lego bricks as well, right? You just want to put things together, make something out of it. It is in our nature that we want to create and make things like God. But, we do not play a role in creating the universe. Only Jesus does. And verse 10 is cited from uh, Psalms 102. It reveals that Jesus has a role in creating the earth and the heavens. Now, consider all together: Jesus' nature is unchangeable, and his role as the creator of the world, and in contrast to the angels, here Jesus is incomparable and beyond them. And for those reasons, the way that Jesus is superior to angels must be such that he rules over the angels. And here is the third outline He rules over the angels. After Jesus has risen from the dead, he ascended into the heavens. Now he sits on his throne. And verse 13 reinforces the idea that he rules the heavens. This is cited from Psalms 110. God speaking to the risen Christ. Sit at my right hand. Or sit at my right hand. So in the Old Testament, such as Psalms 110 The right hand is mentioned in the context of a person of a higher authority, referring to the power of ruling. So the right hand mentioned is always about the power of ruling. And in the New Testament, in Mark chapter 10, the apostles James and John thought that Jesus would become the king of the Jews. Wanting the power to rule for themselves, they requested Jesus, and they said, Let one of us sit at your right hand and the other at your left in your glory. Now, for the skeptics, you have also heard about someone who was mentioned, what, as the right-hand man of the king or the president uh, or or, or CEO or even the right-hand man of principal. I'm not sure, right? In school, do you have right-hand students, right-hand man students or not? Something like that, huh? So, the right-hand man carries... The power, right, or of governance, of a higher authority, the right-hand man carries some sort of borrowed authority from the higher one. The same goes for Jesus as the right hand of God. Jesus has the power to rule. But, unlike the right-hand man on earth, God did not transfer his power to Jesus as if like Jesus don't have inherent power. Right, after he ascended to heavens, he's seated on the right hand of God and, and on his throne, then, and then God somehow transferred the power to him. No, Christ already has the power to rule himself. And you may ask, how do we know that? You see, when Peter attacked a servant of the high priest to resist Jesus' arrest, but Jesus rebuked him in Matthew chapter 26. And I think probably, right, Jesus actually eyeballed. And stare at Peter when he cut off the, the servant's ear, right? And reveal this. He said this. Put your sword back into its place. Put it back. For all who take the sword will perish by the sword. Do you think that I cannot appeal to my father? And he will at once send me more than twelve legions of angels. Now, there's a lot of reason why in the number 12 legions is thousands. So 12 thou- more than thousands. There's a reason of it. I won't dwell into it, but basically it's many angels, numerous angels, beyond perhaps what we can count. Now, as D.A. Carson puts it, as he reflected on Matthew chapter 26, and I quote: there's no one quite like him. Even when he's being arrested. And dragged away, his disciples wonder if having courage now means to pull out a sword and slash at the attackers. And Jesus' response is, don't you understand? I could, in theory, call 12 legions of angels. Do you think an unruly mob is going to stand up to 12 legions of angels? Jesus rules. Jesus inherently have the power. In other words, same as the heavenly father, Jesus has the authority, has the power over the heavens and rules over the angels. Now, Jesus sits on his throne with God's authority and he commands and rules the angels. Likewise, as God the Father commands His angels to guard Jesus for God's salvation plan, Jesus will also command His angels to protect us in all our ways for those who inherit salvation. Now, other than guarding us for our salvation's sake, you might ask, how are these angels then helpful to us what are angels revealed to us by their created God from the Bible? Now, there are three things about angels who would help us. And the first is this angels would meet the personal needs of those saved as gods. Uh, angels would meet the personal needs of those who are saved. Angels are basically God's messengers, right? meet those needs. So, where is that taken from? That's from Luke chapter 1, verse 12 to 13, right? Uh, The angel personally ministered, right, to the needs of two couples. Now, second thing about angels who would help us. Angels will fight for us. They would fight for us. They are numerous. They are Many, 12 legions are just a number, right? But they are numerous. They are not just numerous, they are powerful and they are fearsome warriors who, who perform supernatural tasks in God's service. For example, in 2 Kings verse uh, chapter 19, just one angel, an angel wiped out 185,000 Assyrians in just one single night. Now, let's add the astronomical grand nation kind of historical uh, level, right? At a personal level, consider the archangel Gabriel again, he was was the one who announced the birth of John and the birth of Jesus to their parents, and then he also muted Zechariah, as I preached before that was probably out of graciousness of Gabriel, not allowing Zacharias to say more, to blaspheme against God, right? So, Gabriel has power, right? And he's personal. That hundred of years before, the same angel Gabriel also spoke to Daniel. In the book of Daniel chapter 10, about the angels' epic battle in the spiritual realm. And then this kind of flows into Revelation. You can read Revelation for yourself, right? Angels do battles in the spiritual realm. And I would say it's probably epic, right? God's angels versus Satan's angels, they fight. And we know from Daniel chapter 10, you know, that God's mission uh, given to Gabriel to deliver a message to Daniel was somehow delayed for 21 days. 21 days because of Satan's fierce and powerful op- opposition. But with the help of another art angel, and we are introduced to Michael, right, the warrior art angel, Gabriel was able to overcome and to come to Daniel. There are angels fighting for us. There are angels fighting for us. And then thirdly, how are angels helpful to all of us? Angels will comfort and deliver us in our time of death. And that is taken from Luke chapter 17. I say again, angels will comfort and deliver us in our time of death. Before all of us close our very eyes with our last struggle seeing this world, you will know angels. You perhaps will see angels comforting you and I, those who inherit salvation. They are real. If angels will be there to comfort us in our time of death. Wouldn't then Jesus command his angels to comfort us when we pray, even right now to Jesus, for God's help in our troubles? Though Jesus has completed his work on earth, in the heavens, his job is in the city and praying for us. He's ruling the heavens to execute and to complete God's entire plan to save all, of his people, past, present, and future. And let us appropriate his words in Psalms 91 to comfort all of us here. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. Why? Because you hold fast to me in love and I will deliver you. I will protect you because you know my name. When you call me, I will answer you. I will be with you in trouble. I will rescue you and honor you. With long life, I will satisfy you and show you my salvation. Let us then confidently believe and ask in Christ's name, who is much, much more superior to all angels put together pray in Jesus name not in angel's name right we are not in some other kind of religion we pray in Jesus name not in Jesus name or any idols we ask Jesus that may help us with his legions of angels to guard us for our salvation in our incoming and outgoing and he will fight us, and he will fight for us, as promised in 1 John chapter five, verse 13 through 15. And read to us, may this comfort you. To you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and this is the confidence that we have towards Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, he hears us. And if we know that He hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of Him. Now, the last two verses, 14 and 15, are often quoted. But let us remember the context of whatever we ask is in verse 13. To you who believe in the name of the Son for our salvation plan. In His name, for our salvation, ask and He will hear us, reply us. And this is the confidence we have in praying in Jesus' name. This is God's word.